You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> woo Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Happy holidays, listeners, and welcome to Earth Station One. And folks, we are going to be on a fun ride tonight. We are, not, I wouldn't even say sleigh ride, but we are on a ride to go, to boldly go into a Spider-Verse where you've never been before. And it's going to be a lot of fun because we are looking at Spider-Man No Way Home. It should be a lot of fun because, you know, we get a lot of stuff. And before we say anything else, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, folks, please, 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 you know, check it out. Go see the movie. Everyone else in America has. Why haven't you? But you know what? Thank you for listening. And we're very happy to have you here anyway. And speaking of having a happy time, why not have a howdy time and say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Happy holidays. Hey, at least I didn't say we had three different versions of Mike Gordon here tonight. No, it's, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, Each played by a different person. It would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, nobody, uh, you know, that's a, that's a howdy people would get in triplicate. Oh yeah, we'd have a the guy from Fish. We would have then we'd also have the country music artist, and then our Mike Gordon. So it'd be although awesome. you know, I'd love to know that the uh, I'd love to get the CGI artist that uh, worked on de Younging uh, William Defoe. I'd love him to help, like you know, take away some of my age lines as well. Like when I make appearances at cons and stuff, I think it would come in really handy. Oh, it would be great because I mean, he looked great. Oh, yes, he did. I mean, for William Defoe. <laughs> William Defoe was always scary, even without the mask. So. Yeah, even when he was a baby. Yes. I think, the first movie, I think the first movie I ever saw him in was Platoon. That's I what think... I was just about to say, too. Platoon, I think, was the first time I'd seen him, too. And he's creepy in that, too. So, mm-hmm. But he was the good guy in that one, too, though. So. He's <laughs> still creepy. Yes, he was. Yes, yes, he was. But we'd love to hear from you guys, too. Hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. Please send us feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys, see how you guys are doing. Feedback at earthstation1.com is our email address. Of course, we can be found at earthstation1.com. And then, you know, we also have a great Facebook group called, you know, we usually hang out, though, mostly in the ESO Network Facebook group, but we also have an Earth Station One page, and we also have an ESO Network page. Definitely check out those on Facebook, but we're also up on Twitter. We're also up as Instagram on ESO, as ESO Network, and we're going to be putting more and more stuff up there, too. But, of course, you know. As we like to say, if you get to listen to us, please give us five stars. We would really appreciate it. It's how people find us. It's how people learn about us, you know, word of mouth and ratings and, you know, feedback and such. It's pretty cool how that works. Also want to give a happy holiday shout out to our Patreon people. And the first episode of Rants and Raves is out now. So you can listen to it up on Patreon and as a special gift. In a few minutes, you are going to be able to listen to the first episode of Rants and Raves. We're going to give it as a little bit of a bonus here. But after that, 
you have to subscribe to Patreon to listen to the episodes. And I could already tell you, Mike and I are talking about what the second episode is going to be. And it's going to be coming out pretty much every two weeks. So please check it out. We definitely would love to hear from you guys and, you know, have you guys listen, help out the ESO network and ESO is, you know, part of earth station one. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Have you guys listen, help you guys, Come become Patreon folks. And if for those who have, thank you, thank you. We do appreciate it. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And for as little as a dollar a month, you too can be a patron of the ESO network. Also a big holiday shout out to Tifosi Optical. That's right. Tifosi Optical is still around and they have amazing glasses. They have sunglasses that you can custom make yourself. You basically pick the colors of the frames, pick the colors of the lenses to whatever you want. They have some pretty groovy stuff up there, folks. It's pretty darn awesome. For a big special thank you, put Earth Station 1 in there and you can get 10% off your whole order. Just not one pair of glasses or safety goggles or face shields. You get 10% off your whole order. That's pretty darn amazing nowadays. And I know everyone's trying to save money as it is. So definitely check it out. Check it out at tofosioptics.com and tell them Earth Station One sent you. And now, folks, as we like to say, here's our very first episode of ESO Rants and Raves. So check it out. patrons and welcome to the very first episode of rants and raves my name is mike faber and of course i'm here with my podcast partner mr mike gordon howdy and this is going to be basically a spinoff of earth station one for the past almost 11 years almost going on 12 now we've been you know when we introduced the show we always used to do uh rants and raves and We've missed doing it, and there's so many topics that we don't have time to fit into Earth Station 1. We thought it'd be kind of fun to spin off Rants and Raves into its own beast. And what better place to do it than our Patreon? So you guys at on Patrons get the benefit of hearing this exclusively. This is not going out to the general public. This is exclusive to all levels of our Patreon. So thank you, thank you for supporting the ESO Network. Thank you so much. And, you know, we thought, what would be a great thing to rant and rave about for our first time doing this? And let's talk about a little bit about The Beatles Get Back, the new documentary that is on Disney Plus, uh, direct, of course, produced by Peter Jackson. And it's based off over 500 hours of film. And it's just amazing. And there's times when I was watching it that I felt like I was watching 500 hours of the Beatles. It's actually, sorry, it's actually it was 60 hours of film footage and over 150 hours of audio. Oh, okay. That, that they, uh, but still, that's a lot of footage to go through. Oh, very uh, much so. I, I saw an interview with the original director of the documentary, Let It Be, um, uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg, and he said that when they were approached to, to do this by Jackson and everybody, um, they were like, are you going to have a problem with us going through the footage, making our own thing? And he was like, hell no, I don't want to go through all that footage again. 
So, so, um, but yeah, this is uh, all the all for the documentary that he was making in 1970. Um, I've never seen that. Have you? Yes, I've seen it multiple times, actually. Okay, because I, I understand it's, it's, it's not ver- easy to to find. No, it's hard to find. It was out on VHS for quite some time and Laserdisc mm. even, but it was not recently, and it's hard to watch actually because it's. Everything we saw, you know, over the, you know, three nights or however you watched it, it's all compressed into 90 minutes. And it is tough because it's a lot more depressing. It's a lot more tense. You feel a lot of the bitterness and such that's going on between the different members of the Beatles. And you saw that a bit in this, but you didn't see it a lot. And you still had the concert on the roof. And it was just real interesting to, you know, experience what was Let It Be and to get back and expand it. I actually loved watching Get Back. It was fun to watch. And, you know, it actually with the restoration of the sound, the restoration of the video, it's cleaner than let it be was it's sounds better than let it be was it's brighter than let it be was. It's just, it's like night and day, literally. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I mean, look, uh, I, I, I like the Beatles. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm not like a huge fanatic about them. Um, but I do respect them and I, I do find them interesting. And, uh, and this was something that I definitely wanted to check out. Um, I haven't seen the original documentary. I haven't seen, actually, I've only seen one Beatles movie ever. Which one? And that was Hard Day's Night. So you've never I've seen, seen that multiple times. You've never seen Help or Yellow Submarine? Nope. I've only seen, like I said, I've only seen <laughs> Hard Day's Night. Um, so, uh, and I've never really seen the Beatles be, the Beatles, like without filter, without being on quote unquote, you know, like just hanging out or, 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 you know, certainly just making music and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think outside of this footage, there's a lot of other instances where you do see that. I think this is the only thing that I've seen where you really feel like you're a fly on the wall and the Beatles, you're just watching four guys be just themselves. I think I, they're aware that the cameras are on, but I think at certain times they, they do, they're so used to having the cameras on them that they kind of forget and they're just themselves. And this is not the whole story. This is not everything. Cause there's a lot of stuff that's going on outside of what we see in this footage, but this is, this is amazing for two reasons. One, because it's showing one of the, I think, you know, most amazing bands uh, ever uh, oh, sure. make make an album be creative and it's also since it's their second to last album that they recorded the last one that was released but it's the second to last one that was recorded it's the it's you watching the the the, the end of the Beatles you're watching them kind of get frustrated with one another and you're really getting to see what happened to them. And it's not like, it's not like a lot of bands. It's not like you, it's not like a lot of people picture bands breaking up. There's not like a lot of yelling. There's not like a lot of like, 
you know, backstabbing or whatever. It's just four guys who just have different ideas, different ways to go. And, uh, but yet they're being very cool about it. Well, it definitely to me seemed like they were, were British. They were being very British. That's a good way to put it. But no, you could tell there's a film, a like they're all familiar with each other in these scenes and they've been, you know, they've been together for 15 years at, you know, for, with some of them and as the Beatles for 10 years at this point. And that's the cool thing about this. You know, these are people who, you know, at, at times were with each other day and night and they know each other inside out. And, you know, they started as a cohesive band, but by this point, when you're seeing, you know, get back, these are folks who are now exploring items on their own, exploring, you know, their own material, their own, you know, careers. Ringo's become, is getting into the movies. Uh, George wants his music heard more and is trying to establish himself more than two songs an album. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And he wants to, you know, establish himself as that. And that's the cool thing about it was, you know, seeing all this, but they still had enough respect with each other and were able to play off of each other, but they all wanted to be heard in their own way. You know, you had Paul, who was, you know, basically the lead, you know, at this point was the leader of the band. And, you know, you had John, who wanted things done his way and wanted to have the manager, his, you know, his say in who was their new manager because they didn't have one at the point. And, you know, there was butting heads with that. George, you know, in the whole first episode, like you said, wanted more than just two songs on the album because he was coming up with all these different songs. He wanted to be heard and he wanted his input in the documentary. Let it be. There's nothing about George leaving the band at all. And no, I mean, my understanding is that the original documentary is just about making the album and, 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 and that's it. It's not really about, because at that point when they made it, they didn't know the Beatles were breaking up. I mean, you could kind of see the signs, but they didn't know that. No. The Beatles were, but, but here we, I mean, we know. So you've got this dark cloud over all the footage because you know what's going to happen. You know these. Yeah, are, these but you don't, you don't happen. see it because. You know, after this, they don't break up right after this. They record a whole nother album. They record Abbey Road. Yeah, but they don't record together. No. Like, Abbey Road is done, like, with few, like, I don't think all four of them are in the studio, but a few more times after this. No, there's only a few more times because John, you know, was starting to get more angry at Paul and... You know, and George was wanting to do his own thing and going, it was just, and you know, for a while it was seeming like, you know, if you read stuff and hearing, you know, interviews and stuff, it seemed like Paul was the one who broke the band up, but he was actually the one trying to keep it together as, you know, the business. But under his terms. Oh, of course. Everything was under his terms. Or, yeah, but under his terms. But I think he, you know, he would say that he was open to, but everybody else was not really, I don't think they felt comfortable enough with Paul to, to, exist by his terms because they were like, well, he might say that it's 
we'll be doing this, but we re- we know Paul because he'll just do what he wants to do. So, and there's other things that lead into worse stuff because what you were saying, Mike, about the manager and everything, like that, but that's all not in the documentary. The, the, the documentary, what is amazing about the documentary is that you see all of this stuff happening while they're honestly trying to do their thing. They're trying to record this documentary. Well, that's a documentary, but they're trying to record a TV special. They're trying to come up with new songs. What they're going to do is really ambitious. The project that they're going to do. So they've got four weeks or three weeks. They had th- originally, record. originally they had three weeks to record, record all song. new material, all new material, and that with songs <laughs> they haven't even written yet. Nope. A- nope. And they well, also and they had germs though. They, no, had, germs yeah, they had the basics, but. Yeah. You know, but then you had, you know, but then you, to, to cap it off to even put more pressure on it, they were going to do a live concert at yeah, it. A live and they, concert of all new material. Of all new material. And they had never played together live in front of an audience at, well, in yeah, a concert. It's been a while. No, it's since 1965. 1966. Yeah. It had been at least three years. So this was even more pressure on it. And, you know, they had all these grand ideas of playing internationally, like even at one time was over in Egypt at the, uh, at the, what you call it, the pyramids and everything was one. Yeah. They were trying to think of some big venue that, uh, you know, the Acropolis. Exactly. It was, it was amazing. Pyramids or something like they were just trying to come up with something. They were uh, even at one point thinking about going, taking, uh, getting a boat and having a stage on the boat and going port to port around the world for a year playing concerts and come see the Beatles coming to your town. And, you know, that was, you know, Nick's real easy. And Ringo was very much against traveling internationally because he was in the process of getting ready to film a movie. And if you, in the very first episodes of the documentary, they were recording on a soundstage and they were pra- learning these songs and practicing on a soundstage because it, they, Ringo was filming his movie right in the next, you know, studio and it was a movie i think with peter sellers because even peter sellers pops up in this documentary and yeah it. magic christian which is a uh, not a great movie either um but no, uh, it isn't most uh, ringo that, movies and, aren't and that that you know that appearance cameo whatever by peter sellers is so uncomfortable uh so forced um it's like yeah you get the idea that what happened was is that you know they I don't know. They don't have their manager anymore. Epstein is not there. So they're kind of winging it. They want to do something. They want to do something big. They're the fucking Beatles, right? So they want to do something that uh, is worthy of them. Uh, the Rolling Stones just did this rock and roll circus thing. So they're kind of like, well, what do we do? This is kind of their answer to that, right? So they got the guy who directed that. And, um, it, you know, it's supposed to be a special, uh, but of course that doesn't happen because, you know, Paul's like, I want to do it, but he's getting no input because you get a feeling that the other three guys don't want to do this at all. Uh, and so they are going, they're literally just going through the motions until, like you said, and like George gets to a point where he's like, I can't go through the motions. I'm out. Yeah. He basically was like, I'm going to, I'm going to leave for lunch. And I quit the band. He's like, I'm leaving. And yes. they're like, uh, for lunch or for good. And he's no, like, uh, the band, <laughs> I'll see you at the clubs. Bye. Like he's just bye. 
Yeah, he was just like, all right, I'm out of here. And it was just, you were there going, oh, my God, he is gone. And, well, it's funny because Judy was watching, like, the few scenes before that. And she's, like, watching George's face. And she was just like, he is not happy. He is not happy at all. And it's like when he came out and said, I'm quitting. And it's like, Judy was like, I told you, told you. And I was like, yeah, I mean, there's that whole sequence of trying to work on this song and Paul's trying to get George to play it a certain way. George is like, I can only play it the way I can play it. I can't play it the way you want me to play it, Paul, because I only play the way I play. So there's this real big division between them that way. And then that, Mm -hmm. of course. And he said, he even said, he even said, why don't you just get Eric Clapton to do it or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's just like, yeah. If you want Eric Clapton, if you want like that or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a few other things too. I mean, look, we all have heard like the funny joke or whatever that Yoko broke up the band or whatever, but the, you know, to see this, how it was, uh, I, anyway, was just, I'm sorry, I was creeped out by Yoko. Um, she's not, she's always attached to John, practically at the hip. She's right there. Like, she, it's, it's, and I don't, you know, obviously that's got to say do something to the other members of the band. Because she's just right there. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't say anything. She just is, it's, it's kind of a weird kind of existence. It's like, what? is this it's just like she's a shadow um that is with john and you know john of course is encouraging and he's 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 in love with her at that and that that's real i mean you can tell that they're very much attached but it it i mean she doesn't we don't see her contribute anything there's a couple times where she sings uh and that's horrible um (laughs) oh god like you know cats howling is is more uh you know um listenable than that stuff to me i I just like it's it was just really weird i mean paul brings you know linda uh, a couple times and his daughter and you know and the other bandmates bring their women a couple times too but yoko is always there always there yoko is completely attached at the hip to it's it's creepy um and uh you know um but but despite all of that, what is, you know, all that stuff's going on and all this drama, whatever. Um, but what's really, I mean, you just, you watch all these songs being created and watch these guys there and they're, the instruments that they're playing and their songwriting skills are just phenomenal. I mean, if you don't like the Beatles or you think they're overhyped or whatever you think about them, you watch this and I, I dare you. To, to, to try to figure, I mean, they, to, to deny them their genius because, uh, you know, we see Paul strumming the guitar. He's just strumming it along and suddenly like with what well, he's playing around and within minutes he comes up with basically the spine of get back, which is a song that everybody knows. Well, exactly. Um, it was just awesome. Him coming up originally it was supposed to be a political song about, you know, immigrants coming into the country. Yeah, but I think even before that, he's just playing, like, he's waiting for the band members, to, the other guys to co- show up, and he's just kind of playing around, and now all of a sudden you start hear, you hearing Get Back, and you're like, holy crap, I know that song. They decide to make it a protest song, but then that sort of gets kind of 
uh, you know, sidelined as well. But, um, you know, watching them come up with Get Back and watching them come up with all these songs that are on this album, there are so many of these songs that are legit classics. Mm-hmm. Oh, very um, much so. It was just amazing. Even like, you know, Ringo coming up with Octopus's Garden. He was just like, you know, and it's just like, and George's like, hey, you know, sitting there with his guitar right next to him and Ringo's on the piano trying to figure out what he wants, you know, Octopus's Garden to be was just brilliant. And it was just, and just the brilliance of them, like working through it. Like you said, you know, John Lennon was late for practice and John, all the and, time. Uh, all the time, but it was just like, but he was like, you know, Paul was just like, started, you know, I'll just wait and he just started strumming and he started, Jojo was, a, you know, and it was just like, it was awesome. And coming up, you know, because it was just coming up with the different lyrics and making it fit and it just slowly came back into it. And it makes sense that they focused a lot on Get Back, hence the name of the movie and the documentary. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was going to be called first until Let It Be was the obvious. Uh, well, and I don't even know at that point because one of the things that the documentary, um, you know, spoilers, but one of the, the things the, doc, the documentary just ends after pretty much after their concert on the roof. Uh, there's like a couple scenes, but then I guess they ran, you know, obviously the documentary footage is done. But I thought, you know, they could have done a like a, a three, five minute thing, kind of like showing kind of what happened afterwards to the album and stuff, because I find that story pretty interesting as well. The fact that the Beatles, all four of them were just like, they just junked the whole thing. Like av- shortly after the, the, the events of the documentary, um, like they just like, they don't want to come out as an album. They don't want to come in out as a, anything. They don't want they don't have anything to do with it. They just want to trash the whole thing and move on. Then they go on to do Abbey road and they figure that's it. They're done. Boom. The Beatles are gone. So it's only afterwards that get back or let it be as the album is resurrected by, by their uh, manager, their, by their manager Klein who takes it to, and at that point, even uh, their producer, who we do see too, the wonderful, uh, amazing George Martin. Yes. Um, Even he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, if they're not involved, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So Klein takes it to Phil Spector to get produced and mix it and everything like that. And then it comes out as the Beatles' last album. But it's amazing to me that the Beatles can like just chuck and junk like all these songs that we now know are classics like get back and let it be and uh across the universe and like these are songs that i'm just like holy crap i mean when you're the beatles when you're that good when you can just write songs and and be make them hits but not just because they're hits because these are just really really good songs i mean ever since i've watched this I constantly have songs that are on this album in my head. Oh, of course. Um, it's pretty and, easy to do. Yeah, they're just, they're, they're classics. They're really, really good songs. Um, and the fact that they could just chuck that away and be like, yeah, we don't, we don't want to have anything to do with them. I mean, the world might not have ever heard Let It Be. No, there's a good shot at that. And, you know, you might have not heard, you know, everything that we're familiar with. And, 
you could tell it was awesome, you know, with this thing. You know, there were still friendships there. Even between John and Paul, The when, the, when they were doing The Two of Us, and they were doing it through clenched teeth the whole time. <laughs> they were having a lot of fun. I mean, they're playing, like, covers of other songs. They're just horsing around. Um, I mean, it's like there's a lot of playfulness here. And, and uh, one of yeah. the heroes in this also, if we have to give it a huge shout out, is the Billy Preston. Oh, man. If there's anything that this this documentary does, as well as uplift the Beatles even more to uh, a genius status, is to show how amazing a musician Billy Preston is. Oh, Billy Preston was... It, I knew Billy. Pre- I've seen Billy Preston in concert. I saw him even when he when I was young, and I saw Ringo's All Stars, and Billy Preston was with him. And it, he, I've seen him, but I've seen him solo in concert, and it was just, he's just an amazing, amazing artist. And to see him so young and so into, he was so in tune with the Beatles. And I love when John says, "Best time." Oh, he was having a blast. And John then was like going, you know, you know, oh, should we make him a Beatle? And Paul was like, no, I don't think so. I have enough trouble with the youth, youth lots, you know, we <laughs> yeah. need another like, one. Have, there's enough trouble with the four of us. Like, yeah, but they're, they do actually have a conversation where they're, you know, even though they're in the midst of kind of breaking up, because at this point, I think they're still, you know, they're still, they still feel like they're in it. Like, like they're, they're not. They're not broken up yet. They're still trying to figure this thing out. Um, although it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that they're all going their separate ways. I mean, they all have their their say, uh, except you know, I mean, true to I guess the the what you what you think and the, the rumors or whatever. I mean, George doesn't really, uh, not George, sorry, but uh, Ringo doesn't really get involved with a lot of the nonsense. He just kind of hangs out, lets everybody else have their say. And just goes along with whatever they're going to do. Well, exactly. Um, Ringo was just like, I'll do whatever. I'll play the drums for you. I'll do my thing. I'll sing about an octopus's garden. It's good. you know. Yeah, he's not like, I only get one song on an album. Uh, I'm leaving. He's not like that. He, he kind of, I don't want to say he knows his place, but he's kind of like, just like, you know, I'm here. I, I'm here to play the drums. And that's what I'm going to do to the best of my ability. And he's really good. Like they're all so good with their instruments um, and they're all versatile. You don't, you don't ever see that. You don't ever see like Paul on the drums. Like in this documentary, you see Paul on the drums, you see John uh, with the bass, you see uh, George at the piano, you see Ringo at the piano, you see Ringo on guitar. Like they're all playing different instruments. These are all, I mean, they're, you know, they're, Mm-hmm. You can argue about how "quote unquote" good they are on the other instruments, but they're they're all capable musicians. Yeah. It, what they're really, not just a boy band. What really got me was in the final, you know, part of the documentary, and George Paul was off somewhere, and um, John and George were talking, and George was like even saying, "I have all this music that I want to do, and I want to make my own album." And John was like, go ahead and do it. And he says, and he says, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. And then, then just coming back and doing your, the Beatles stuff also. So he wasn't even opposed to it at, by, at this point either about keeping well, the band good. together. Right, right. Because, but, yeah, because I mean, because that's what John was doing. John had already, I think at this point, didn't he already record Pete, give Peace a chance? Yes. 
without anybody else. So um, I don't know if he was the first Beatle to do the go solo. But I think he, um, I think uh, John was the first, and then. Um, but it was interesting because you even heard um, one or two solo Paul songs in in this. He was sitting around the studio. That was from his first solo album. Yeah, you get to see like you get to see various. Uh, well, not so much John, but you certainly do get to see Paul and George kind of play out songs that would be hits for them later on. Exactly, and it's it's pretty amazing and. This is a must watch for any Beatles fan. There's Oh yeah. <laughs> if you know if there's any chance I don't think we're ever going to see anything like this again in terms of the Beatles and everything. There of any other band either. I mean nobody was filmed like them like that. Um, you know, um I you know everybody's like, "Oh, I'd like to see a, a documentary like this about like the Rolling Stones. I'd like to see a documentary like this about Led Zeppelin or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but they weren't filmed like this. So you're not going to, that stuff doesn't exist. You know, it's a miracle that this stuff exists. It's been sitting in a vault for decades. Um, It reminds me a lot of that Summer of Soul movie that was on Hulu not that long ago. Another movie that was sitting in decades you know, for, since the 19, late 1960s, it was the same summer as Woodstock. And it was actually the same year as this. And it was amazing that it was just all this video of movies, of stuff, of, a, of, con, of concert in Harlem that was almost rival to the talent that was at Woodstock and everything. And it was just amazing that it's been sitting in. I wonder if we'll find stuff like that as time goes on. Maybe, but you know, it's, it's rare to find that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) don't even get me started on that. That's a whole nother random rave right there. Well, You never know. I mean, just last night, you know, I watched, uh, they found a 1950s, uh, Argentinian, uh, black and white film classic that, um, uh, was restored and found. And, uh, you know, they put that together and that actually got, to see the light of day last year. And that was pretty amazing or this year, earlier this year. And that was, that's pretty amazing. So there's still a lot of stuff that, you know, in vaults in places, but a lot of the stuff that's on film has an expiration date. So we, you know, a lot of that stuff might is, is probably gone for good when something like this happens. Now it's obviously, it's a must see for anybody who's a Beatles fan. I would say it's a must see for anybody who's even casually familiar with the Beatles um, if you hate the Beatles, is this a must see? No. Probably like not because I don't, you're not, I don't, unless you can really appreciate them objectively, because otherwise you're going to be subjected to a lot of them, a lot of scenes where they're just horsing around. Um, and I think as a, as a Beatles fan, it's really interesting to watch the Beatles horse around. But if you're, but if you're like, Oh, this is kind of, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not interested in this. Then, then yeah, that's not for you, but it's just enjoyable to, the Beatles are enough, are, are interesting enough that just to watch them horse around is to me interesting. Oh, exactly. And that's part of the fun is just having fun with it. And that's what we did. And, you know, any chance you get to see the Beatles having fun and in a natural state, you didn't feel like they were up. It, none of it was scripted. None of it was forced. 
And, you know, I'm sure they felt pressure because there was a camera in there the whole time. They couldn't be, you know, doing something if they got really pissed at somebody or something, you know. Yeah, every once in a while, Paul's like, I don't want to do this in front of the cameras. Um, like, he would be the one to be like, guys, let's not do this in front of the cameras. And I think one of the most, the most, like, to me, like, must see, must hear whatever scenes is there's one scene where they're talking about George because George has left and they're not sure what to do. And John's like, I think, you know, I mean, Paul's like, we have to, we have to talk about this, John. And they go into a room, just the two of them, no Yoko. It's just Paul and John. And they didn't know that the room was mic'd. And so we don't have video of it. We just have audio, uh, probably the only audio in existence of Paul and John just talking without filters. Yep. And that is fascinating. I mean, thank God there's subtitles. Because <laughs> even though their accents aren't too thick, I mean, if you don't see their lips, it's kind of more difficult sometimes to understand them, and they're mumbling a little bit. But, but uh, you know, they are talking about what's going on with the Beatles and, and how they're going to keep this thing together the two guys that, you know, people most associate with the Beatles and, and, you know, people are, people either love or hate John or Paul. A lot of people hate Paul more than John, <laughs> but, but it's interesting too, because, you know, if John would have survived, I have a feeling that the Beatles might would have gotten together at least for some projects, the four of them. But because already, uh, you know, there was a period um, in like the mid seventies where the Beatles almost got back together and everything. And it was, it's a pretty famous story of George Harrison was actually on Saturday night live and John and Paul were actually up at the Dakota watching it. And they were like, should we go surprise him? And get on on the TV with them, and they almost yeah, the did. Guy, the guy who uh, directed this movie, uh, the original documentary "Let It Be," Michael Lindsay Hogue, actually did a film of that uh, supposed uh, you know conversation between John and Paul while they were interested in they were they were toying around with the idea of just like, but it wasn't like a you know it wasn't going to be a true reunion. It no. would have been like maybe like them in a room together, but it wasn't going to be like, it wasn't a planned thing. It was just, more Oh no, like it wasn't a, planned at all. Let's just do this and have fun. Yeah. Um, but then they realized all the baggage that would go with that, that they, unfortunately, any time that they were to talk about it, there was so much baggage around it that they, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the, I don't know. I mean, I, but watching this makes it, makes you even more, if dare I say hopeful that it might've happened because you get to see them, even though they're not getting along, they're still working together and they're still making great music. Mm -hmm. Could have, should have type stuff. And it's like, Oh, well it would have been great, but you know, that's, that's an episode of what if hopefully the watcher will do that sometime for us. What if the Beatles got back together? again? Yeah. Well, that's a, uh, you know, that's in another multiverse somewhere that they're, they're, they did get back together and the album sucked. I don't know. I don't 
It would have been interesting, to say the least. Well, that, my friends, is the first episode of Rant and Raves. Thank you for listening to us rant and rave about, mostly raves, actually, about this Let It Be. And, of course, Get Back and the Beatles sessions. And bravo to Peter Jackson for doing it. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of this. And we'll figure something fun to talk about. You know, you never Yeah, know. Mike and I are like the, the, the John and, and Paul of... <laughs> Earth Station One. Well, I'd rather us be John and Paul than the John and Yoko of Earth Station One. Oh, yeah. that's No, that's creepy. That would I just would be really know. creepy. That would be really creepy. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, folks, if you want to comment or feedback, please write us. Feedback at EarthStation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. Thanks again, patrons, for listening. And we will see you here next time on Rants and Raves. Peace. And we are done. Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. With all the box sets and the videos that have come out, David Bowie's work is still very much with us. And there will not, thankfully, be a biopic, but there is a film in the works, and Variety is quoting sources as describing it as neither documentary nor biography, but an immersive cinematic experience. It is approved by the Bowie estate and will pull from thousands of hours of rare and unseen live footage. It's being made by documentary filmmaker Brett Morgan. Uh, he's known for several films, including The Kid Stays in the Picture, about Hollywood film producer Robert Evans, and Jane, about Jane Goodall. That one won two Emmys. He also made uh, the Kurt Cobain documentary in 2015 called Montage of Heck. He will write, edit, and produce this film. Uh, Bowie's producer, Tony Visconti, who worked on so many albums with him, is the music producer for this project. And the sound team, the Oscar-winning sound team behind Bohemian Rhapsody, is working on the film as well. Uh, no word on a release date. And a few weeks ago, I said that Sir Rod Stewart will be able to tour behind his new Tears of Hercules album since he'd worked out a plea deal for his misdemeanor battery charges that came after he and his son allegedly beat up a security guard at a Palm Beach hotel, the Breakers Hotel, in 2019 for not letting them into a New Year's Eve party. They have this assault on video. Uh, that plea, de plea deal has been thrown out, so now they stand trial on January 25th next year on misdemeanor battery charges. They face up to a year in jail. Dude, you're 76 years old. Come on. And I'm a bit late with this, but I did want to mention it. Uh, Dean Stockwell, of course, passed away a few weeks ago. I did not know he was good friends with Neil Young. Uh, Stockwell uh, wrote a screenplay called After the Gold Rush, which, of course, Neil later used as an album title. And that screenplay inspired the song Southern Man. Uh, Dean Stockwell also designed the cover for Neil Young's uh, album American Stars and Bars. And in 82, uh, Neil Young and Stockwell collaborated on a screenplay direction and acting in a movie with, uh, titled Human Highway. Um, it also had Devo in it. Devo worked with Neil Young on a version of Hey, Hey, My, My, Into the Black. Uh, the cast included Devo, Neil Young, 
uh, Dean Stockwell and their pal Dennis Hopper. This must be a trip of a movie. Um, it was the first soundtrack um, music that Mark Mothersbaugh uh, composed for films was for Human Highway. So a little interesting trivia news there. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. I finally, after a long hiatus, have posted a blog post at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, my reactions to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. That's all for this week. We'll catch you next time. Okay, promo for the Flopcast. Let's go. First, I need an adjective. Uh, naked. Need a noun. Wombat. Place. Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Number. Uh, 251. Okay then, the Flopcast is a naked podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, and wombats. Find us on the ESO Network and Flopcast.net. Go ahead and listen to it in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. <laughs> 251 times. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man, we started getting some visitors. every universe hello peter you're not peter parker i'm sorry what was your name again dr otto octavius (laughs) (laughs) wait no seriously what's your actual name there are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. Everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. 
Hey there, welcome back. Now it's time for the main segment and something we've been dying to talk about for quite some time. And yes, folks, as we said at the beginning of the show, there is going to be spoilers. So watch out, folks. There's no way home. Take it away, Mikey. And and let's be clear, not just spoilers for this Spider-Man movie, but spoilers for everything MCU including Hawkeye, are probably going to be mentioned here, uh, as well as spoilers for uh, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, Spy- Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, and then, of course, you know, the Spider-Man MCU movies 1 and 2. So it's a lot of movies. Uh, if you've but- been under a rock for 20 years, <laughs> be wary. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So we're Wait a minute. Get- wait a minute. That's not Alex. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That? We're going to go as deep as we can, and we've got one half of our movie crew with us. Uh, Ashley Pauls is back with us, of course. Ashley, howdy. Hello, always a pleasure to talk about MCU stuff with you guys, especially a movie as big as this. Yes, this is a biggie. And so, of course, you know, we had to have a big name join us. And uh, Dave, answer the call. Dave West is back with us. Dave from Needless Things. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, Phantomaniacs. <laughs> I've missed hearing that. I've really I know, actually me too. missed hearing <laughs> well, You can hear it every week on the Needless Things podcast. It's true. Absolutely. That is true. Um, very glad to have you back with us, sir. Um, it's great to be back. I was very excited when I got the invite for this one, uh, cause this review just didn't fit into our schedule, but I, I need to talk about this movie with some oh, intelligent good. people. <laughs> well, oh, well, so okay. better luck well, next we'll, time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to like, uh, cover half that, that, that wish. Um, uh, Alex is not here, unfortunately. Uh, we do wish him and his wife a happy anniversary. You know, we can't not talk about the box office here uh, because this has been the biggest box office story of the year. Um, it probably would be so even if it wasn't um, in the midst of a, a pandemic. But, um, man, this thing is like huge. It's already the sixth highest grossing film of 2021. As of now, I think, or as of yesterday, it has grossed uh, $260 million in the United States and Canada and $340 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $600 million. Um, it probably is going to make over a billion dollars. <laughs> it's probably gonna... not even including novelty cup sales. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's probably going to reach a billion by the end of the year um, easily. Uh, this is insane. This is the thing that uh, I think all theater, the, the, the industry has wanted so bad for two years, right? This, this return to box office, big numbers. Oh, um, very and- much so. Even the theater that we usually go to that is barely half full was packed over the weekend. And yeah. it was awesome to see. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that surprised me out of all the numbers that I saw box office wise was that um, the movie uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has already has already um, placed in the top 10 of iTunes movies. And that's just because it's pre-ordered already. Wow. So just the pre-order for this movie is in the top 10 iTunes downloads. It's because everybody already knows they have to have it available to freeze frame so they can, (laughs) like, every 10 minutes, stop it to look at all of the stuff that you just can't catch. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this movie is incredible. It's insane. Uh, Dave, we're going to start with you. Um, what were your expectations going into this, and and what real briefly did you think coming out of the scene in the movie? Uh, my expectations going in were, I mean, I, I, tr- I try to manage my expectations at all times. I, I don't like being disappointed. I've given up on sort of fantasy booking. Like I try not to guess what's going to happen, how it's going to go. Well, I don't like doing that. Um, uh, and it's not because the ideas I come up with are necessarily better, but you get attached to your own thoughts. And if it doesn't give you what you thought you wanted, that can be a letdown. So I try to stop doing that. But I did. This is the MCU plus, you know, but going in, I was not taking it as a given that we were actually going to get the Ramey and Webb versions. Like, I, I, I thought it's possible by the end of this movie, I'm going to be like, well, that didn't happen. Uh, but it spoiler, it did. <laughs> uh, and I, I couldn't help but have very, very high expectations between the things that I've enjoyed about what Sony has done with the spider characters and the MCU involvement. Uh, I, I was pretty hyped, like mm-hmm. significantly more hyped than I was for the last MCU movie and going out. It far surpassed my expectations. It managed to take a dozen different critical things from this pop culture journey and weave them all together in a way that was very, very satisfying and also like freaking heartbreaking in places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ashley, what about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, Dave, you're a tough act to follow. That was so well said. I just, I feel like I have to echo a lot of um, what you expressed in terms of my hype level going to this movie. I was looking forward to it. I mean, it's an MCU movie. Generally, if I'm going to go see an MCU movie, I'm going to have a good time. I wasn't necessarily like looking forward to this one more or less than the others. I mean, I feel like I'm still writing the high from Shang-Chi, which is one of my top Marvel movies. And I know people on this podcast are probably tired of me bringing it up all the time, but I loved it so much. I feel, and we've also got wonderful shows in the form of like WandaVision and Loki. So this kind of just felt on like the cherry on the top, but I was blown away by just how expansive this movie was and how well it did a good job of wrapping not only Tom Holland's Spider-Man's journey in the MCU this far, but basically all the Spider-Man we've seen live action on screen. One of the things that impressed me impressed me the most was I was looking forward to hopefully seeing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's cameos. I was worried that in the end it would come off more of a gimmick, like, oh, look, yeah. here are these famous Spider-Man actors. But they really wove it into the narrative. It felt really heartfelt and authentic. It was fun to see them, but it also made sense for them to be there. And I thought it nailed the storyline in terms of action and heart. I was not expecting to see let's redeem and fix the villains timeline. That was a really unique take. And it was great to see MCU elements like Dr. Strange, but at the same time, Dr. Strange did not take over the narrative. It at all times felt like a Spider-Man movie. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it even more so than I was expecting to going again. And it's exciting to see people return to the movies. This is probably the most people I've seen in my IMAX screen since 2020 and people were clapping and cheering and that just felt really good as a geek to be in that environment and see people so excited to experience the story together yeah absolutely mike what about you well i don't need to say anything these two just said everything for me it was that's why we have guests exactly it it was pretty awesome though 
Um, my expectations going in were very high. Really, really high. I love the first two Spider-Man movies in the MCU. I've pretty much liked all the other Spider-Man movies that we've gotten, except for probably Spider-Man 3. I just it didn't have the same heart that the other two did when they came out. And I had heard rumors. I had heard, you know, all these different things saying that, oh, we do, this is not going to happen or this is going to happen. I tried to stay away from any spoilers and everything. We didn't go see it till Saturday. So we had to stay off Facebook. We had to not – if anything touched on Spider-Man at all, I had to completely stay away from it. And the only thing that got blown for me, something was – someone was, talk, was talking about it and they brought up Aunt May. And it was like, oh, crap. You know, I didn't know when, didn't know how, but I, you know, I had heard and it was just like, kind of sucked with that, but it was, it was pretty crappy that I found that out, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. It didn't kill it for me. I enjoyed that movie. I walked out of that theater grinning ear to ear for everything. And, you know, I had a sob or two during that film also, I'll fully admit it. Can I ask the group a question real quick? Sure, Dave. Did you guys believe she was dead dead when it happened? Because I did not. No. No. I was actually really surprised. I did. I, I, well, yeah, I I did. Because um, the the signs were there to me. Like, as, as... as soon as she said, as soon as she said, with great power comes responsibility, I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. that's, I know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I'll get that into a little bit detail, more detail, but yeah, I, I the signs were there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of, yeah. Yep. I just, I just didn't, I it didn't, I thought, oh, well, they'll, they'll surely they'll undo this. They, right. they can't, they, they can't do this to <laughs> Peter. I wasn't even thinking about her. They can't do this to Peter. Right. What was my thought? Well, uh, here's and, a question. And so it, it even I've, lost a little bit of the impact for me because I didn't buy it mm-hmm. until like the movie was over. And I was like, oh, <laughs> she's gone. Everyone. Technically, everybody was gone for him. Oh. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but it was the question I have for you then. If she was the one who said, you know, with great power comes great and everything was the line. Was there an Uncle Ben in Peter's life? I think in the first Spider-Man movie, they mention him, but it's really brief and they don't really talk about his origin or any of that. So this is the first time Tom Holland has that moment. Yeah. As far as I know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker. This is the first time I think he has that because I can't think of any other time. Yeah. And, and right. I, so I don't, th- I don't think so. And I'd hate to think that he's responsible for his uncle and his aunt dying. <laughs> yeah, yes. That seems like too much. Yeah, yeah. No, well, exactly. I mean, I, I think they make it clear, too, when the other two Spider-Men are like, we lost our Uncle Ben. And, you know, the other Tom Holland's Peter's just looking at them going like, what? Like, yeah, so I, yeah there's no recognition there that, that, that they all felt that way. Well, so. exactly. And that's what started making me think about that. <laughs> you know? He's like, when he's like, you have no idea what this feels like. And the other two are like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, um, 
Uh, are you done, Mike? Or do you got more? No, go. Okay. I'll, I'll bring uh, up the rest later. I have a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so real quick, um, you know, Spider-Man's my guy. Spider-Man and Batman are my guy. So, of course, I always have high hopes. But I try to stay away from spoilers and whatnot. And Tom Holland hasn't let me down. In some ways, I think he's one of the best actors to play Peter Parker, like, ever. Um, and uh, so, and, you know, I didn't know if the other two actors were going to be in this or not. There was all this speculation. Will they or won't they? Will they? I figured they'd be in, like, a cameo or maybe at the end they'd be, we'd see some CGI'd versions of them and their voices would be applied or something. I had no idea they were going to be like in the entire third act of the movie. Old Toby. <laughs> Old Toby, right. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I, I will say uh, sort of, Ashley, what you were kind of saying, this is the first time I've seen not only a movie with a huge crowd, but this is a movie. This is the first time I've seen a movie with like at like I saw it on Thursday at four o'clock. And the theater was packed. I mean, I don't think there was any seats left. And, uh, and you know, I, as part of me was nervous, you know, that I was going to get sick or whatever. But, like, you know, it was, like, it was worth it. <laughs> like, like, because I have not been in the theater with a movie a crowd that's been that excited to see a movie and that yeah. knowledgeable. Like, every, these guys knew the MCU. They knew the comics. They knew... Like everything that happened, they popped for. They popped hard. Like when we saw, uh, you just see uh, Matt's stick. Before you see Matt Murdock, you see Matt's stick. You see Matt Matt's stick and the crowd pops huge. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, every time one of the villains would be introduced, they'd pop huge. When uh, they first show, I guess the first one we see is Andrew. I mean, that place went crazy. Went bonkers. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. People were cheering um, at the yeah. it was, And then, of course, to see Toby, I think they all, I think we all pretty much stood up like, like this is amazing. Um, it, it was a, just a great theatrical experience. And I came off like a pretty good high. Now, how great was it how they played Toby out where he's in his plain clothes? Yeah, at first, dressed like a youth pastor. <laughs> I love that. That was and, so awesome. And it kind of gives you the impression: well, we're not going to see him as Spidey, but he's here. He's doing cool stuff. And then they get they like it's like they saved an extra reveal for later. It was yep. so smart how they did that. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. This movie is made so smartly, so much with love, and. I think it's the first movie that I felt that this is the, like, as a Spider-Man fan, this is like everything that Spider-Man movie should be. I haven't felt this good coming out of a Spider-Man movie since the first Sam Raimi movie. Really? Um, Yeah. Because as much as I love Tom Holland and as much as I love his portrayal of Spider-Man and Peter Parker, he had, I think the thing that was missing for me is that he hadn't had that, peter parker moment he hadn't had that moment where he had to face being peter parker and and having that you know it sounds corny uh but you know when aunt may said uh (laughs) the line with great power comes great responsibility the crowd popped huge again because and they you know part of us knew what was going to happen i'm sure but still that's that's integral i mean that's why the other two actors had to be there this is who peter parker this is who spider-man is 
You know, Spider-Man is not a guy who he may help save the day, but at the end of the day, that his heart's going to be broken. You know, um, uh, he is not, he is not the guy that has it all and everything is going to be happy ever after. And that's, that's exact. I love the first two MCU Spider-Man movies. Yeah. However, in my opinion, they were not great Spider-Man movies. They were great Peter Parker, Jr. Avenger movies, but they didn't feel like Spider-Man to me. And at the end of this one, to see him, as heartbreaking as it was, to see him alone in the uniform he made himself or costume he made himself, truly Spider-Man was so huge. No Stark technology, nothing. Yes. Nope. No man in the apartment. No man in the van. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like nothing. He, it's just going to be him on the streets, right? Yes, him, exactly. him on the streets of New York. Um, and that's what makes it great. That's what was, what was the end of this is where Spider-Man should be. That's the one thing always with Spider-Man. You know, he, Peter Parker is always somebody who's down on his luck. Yeah. And, you know, He's always been, and I'm not trying to call him a total loser, but he's always, Spider-Man has always been the lovable loser. And, you know, and he has to make the sacrifice, right? He has to like decide between his own personal happiness and doing what's right. And uh, now you can't tell that story every time because it's depressing as hell. (laughs) 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 Right. So I'm, it's kind of interesting that the MCU kind of waits till the third act, the third movie to do this to him. Uh, but I think like, you, like you were saying, Mike, I think it was necessary because he has to make that choice. He has to, Peter Parker is the loser. Spider-Man is the winner. Yeah, very much so. Very, very much so. And it was funny as hell because I saw a meme yesterday. Wouldn't it have been just so much easier if uh, Peter just asked, Doctor Strange to forget Mysterio and what Mysterio was at. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. The I end. Mean, Boom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how Hollywood works. The other thing that I, I want to say real quick, and then I want to get some other thoughts from you guys specifically about what this what you liked about this movie. But the other thing that I like too is that my my probably before this, my all time favorite MCU movie was Civil War. And one of the things I liked about Civil War was that uh, I had read the Marvel miniseries and it was garbage. And (laughs) the movie was like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was like, wow, how did they take a premise uh, and a story, a cool premise, but a story that was garbage and make it into they like redeem that story? Well, Spider-Man No Way Home takes Brand New Day, which is a crappy, (laughs) like even a worse story than Civil War. And makes it this brilliant piece of storytelling. And I have to applaud them because I, I, you know, I don't even know if I like the premise <laughs> of, of Brand New Day. And it took Brand New Day and, and made it like into No Way Home. And it like, it, it's so, it's so good. Uh, so I have to give them a lot of props for taking like two crappy comic stories. Like on some cases you're like, oh, you better read the comic or the original book because it's better. Not in those two cases. <laughs> Up next, Clone Saga. Exactly. <laughs> they can do anything. Like, you know. um, uh, well, if you uh, think about it, though, this whole storyline could not have happened at all if the miniseries Loki had not happened. 
Well, there's because a- the TVA would have stopped right at the very beginning when Doctor Strange was starting to cast that spell. He, they would have been like, "Hey, wait, wait!" They would have opened up a thing and you know put a stop to it right there. And, maybe, maybe and, because and, they let the, the thing, Avengers the do is, what they did in in, in uh, but that was a fixed point in time. No, <laughs> this could have been a fixed point too. We don't know. Yeah, but the thing is also each one of those now, each one of the villains and each one of the Spider Men now are going back to a different reality because they fixed, you know, they literally created new variants for each one with fixing each one. The uh, the MCU has had their cake and they're eating it too, right? Because they're taking yeah. elements from the Netflix series. They're taking elements from the other Spider-Man movies and they're integrating them into a way that like, I mean, look, uh, you know, um, J. Jonah Jameson came through without being, without a portal. <laughs> like, like he, <laughs> you know, uh, that was not a Doctor Strange thing. He was just there. Um, He's too critical a point of contention. There is a J. Jonah Jameson in every universe. <laughs> He's exactly the same. <laughs> Just that cantankerous, awful human. Oh, um, God. J. Jonah Jameson was such a parody in this. Also of like Alex Jones trying to sell his own you know, <laughs> supplements yeah. and everything. It was just like. Well, and, oh. and also much more malicious than in the Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Absolutely. so. Cause you, you get a good little chuckle out of him in, in the Raimi movies, but in this one, you, you really are disgusted by him and what he's doing. They, they do sort of rewrite some of the past Spider-Man movies or whatever. I mean, obviously if you, you know, I was talking to someone and they were like, well, you know, it doesn't really make sense because the villains are taken out of weird timelines, you know, in addition to whatever. And I'm like, it's magic. It's just yeah, that's that's not the point of this story. If you're if you're fo- at least in my opinion, if you're focused on that kind of stuff, then you're missing the the, the, the actual story that's going on here. Um, and, you know, they just they just explain it with magic. Uh, but. You know, um, I do want to uh, let's let's focus on some other stuff that we liked. Ashley, what's something else from this movie that that uh, that you like enjoyed? Yeah, um, a few kind of collection of highlights here. I was really really excited to see Matt Murdock. Like I squealed when I saw him come on scene again. I've heard the rumors, but I didn't want to get my hopes up yeah. too much and. I really like, have loved the Netflix Marvel shows. And to me, it's still a part of the MCU in my heart, even though canon, it's not exactly part of it. So I really love that they recognized how much that meant to fans and are bringing that in. And I'm really excited. I would like to see more Matt Murdock, Peter Parker stuff going forward. That's oh, very cool. much um, so. I, I find it interesting. I don't know if I guess it. I don't think the plant, this was the original plan because of COVID and everything, but I find it fun that this, this during the same week, two mm-hmm. Netflix characters come over to the MCU on different things. It's oh, like, exactly. I know. Like it seems like it's what it's meant and to they, be. And they're arch enemies. Right, <laughs> like, the I'm final so scene of Hawkeye like, was just like, Kingpin. wow. <laughs> and they're arch enemies. You're like, wow. What are the, like, did they plan this? And I'm sure like Kevin's like, yeah, we did. And I'm like, no, you, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's awesome and another thing that i really appreciated was how it brought in elements from all of the spider-man movies even the ones that have a little more 
debate amongst fans. Like I think it's fair to say that Spider-Man three, maybe the amazing Spider-Man two weren't necessarily as loved by the fans as some of the other ones, but I like that they still brought in characters and villains and treated that sincerely without making jokes or whatever about how those like uh, fourth wall breaking jokes about how those movies weren't as loved by the audience maybe, but they just used all those characters and gave each of them their moment. And I also really appreciated this. I feel like this movie gave closure to Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man since he only got two movies. (laughs) The others got three. I felt like this was a nice way to kind of wrap up his character who didn't really get to end on the best note and kind of finish out his story to the natural conclusion. So I really liked getting to see that and seeing this movie made me want to go back and watch all the other Spider-Man movies again. I also appreciated that he didn't do any de-aging for Tobey Maguire, like let him be an older Spider-Man, like they pulled him out of a point in time. He just felt kind of more authentic to me. It was really just all the little choices that felt like they were so thoughtfully made and put together. Like, somebody else said there's just so much heart packed into this movie and the the ending to how it ended on a bittersweet note got me how he goes into the coffee shop and talks to his friends but then ultimately decides not to reveal himself to them now i guess it's up to us as the audience to decide does that mean that he feels that they're better off without him that he's just going to let them walk out of his life or is he going to try to come back and have it happen in a slower way but just you think about this is a senior in high school just the weight of what he's been through i mean he fought thanos he vanished in the blip and now he's lost his friends and family just everything that he means to him has been taken away but yet at the end He's still willing to keep helping people and using his gifts to make his neighborhood a better place. So I I just thought they did a great job. And I'm thinking this is not the last time that we'll see Spider-Man in the MCU. But if for some reason it was, what a great note to go out on. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I mean, I think. The, the the goal was to try to leave it open. I mean, obviously, like you know, to resign like Zendaya and all them is going to be more expensive. So it's like, oh, let's give us an out in case like Zendaya doesn't want to come back or was asking for too much money or whatever. Um, so they've got that open. But from a from a Peter Parker perspective, it makes perfect sense. As soon as he <laughs> sees the bandaid on her on her head, it's just like. The same thing with, you know, Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. It's like, I'm yeah. not going to put her, th- she's better off without me. Like yeah, he's yeah, truly selfless choice, like to be willing to carry that pain alone so that he doesn't have to put that on other people. Yeah. Well, and her line absolutely destroyed me. She says it doesn't really hurt anymore. Yeah. And that was, oh. that's <laughs> describing everything. Yeah. You know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she's not going through any like she doesn't have the pain anymore. Right. Like the, that she's not sharing in his pain anymore. Uh good call, Dave. Uh anything else uh, in particular that struck you during the movie? Well, j- just to add on uh to Andrew Garfield. First of all, for anybody who has not watched the other movies recently, go back and watch them, even Spider-Man 3. Uh because Thomas Hayden Church's performance in that is worth watching it for. Sandman but, is awesome in that. Andrew Garfield, we, uh, my my family, or 
big fans of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Uh, they're awesome. And Gwen Stacy dying in the second one is, is one of the most hard to, one of the most brutal and hard to take death scenes in like, I guess, lighter pop culture. Uh-huh. It's, it's so ugly. And all three of us were sitting there with tears in our eyes when he saved MJ yeah. in this one. The crowd and popped got, again. And got, his, got that moment, got yeah. that closure. It was incredible. But but the I think, you know, I mentioned J.J. and Jameson being much more despicable in this one. And I think they, they upped the ante with Norman Osborn quite a bit as well. Uh, because, I mean, he's evil. He's trying to kill Peter. He's he's trying to kill lots of people in in the first one. But in this one, he seems so much more malicious. Yeah, he kills Aunt May and very intentionally. It's in, she's not collateral damage. He murders her. And you have this much more evil goblin alongside this innocent victim, Norman. And that was, you know, they, they played with that a little bit in the first one, but in this one, they really, really pulled at your heartstrings at, Norman being kind of trapped in this hell. And when he wakes up and he says, what did I do? Uh, it's they so many emotions and just like brutal beats in this movie. But it was interesting because Norman was such, it was like he took bipolar to a whole new level and yeah. it was it was heartbreaking for him when he, especially the last time, what did I do? And he's yeah. looking around and seeing all the destruction. And it was just, it was, and because you felt for him, especially when he was in the kitchen at the shelter with Aunt May and Peter didn't want to help him, let him go back and everything. And she's the one who had to convince him to help everybody. You know, mm-hmm. you're better than this. And, you know, Norman was like, you know, I can help you. What can I do? You know, I want to, and it's like, I, and he was talking about his son and it was just, it was heartbreaking because you know, what was waiting and it was scary as hell. He kind of reminded me, especially when, you know, he was flying when he came back at the statue of Liberty scene, he almost looked like the hobgoblin in those scenes. It was very well done because he smashed the mask and hoping that was going to destroy it. But the goblin was, you know, firmly inside Norman's head, and it was just, it was just an, it was a scene that William Defoe was just took it to a new level in this movie. He blew away. I think everyone, you know, who was in this was great. I loved Jamie Foxx. I loved Doc Ock was amazing and i loved how they kept him good it wasn't like oh halfway through he turned bad again uh, yes alfred molina was was like the secret star of the movie oh mm-hmm. extremely so and i love when he got the when he you know was like peter you've grown up i love that it was just it was awesome because he and peter were friends before all this happened yeah and it was it was so good to see 
And I loved, you know, you saw some of the scenes in the previews with him on the bridge, but that fight scene was awesome. And I loved how Peter was able to use the nanotech on his arms to capture him. (laughs) That was just, it was awesome. There was just so many great scenes in this movie. Well, and the way that they uh, altered the Spider-Man costume throughout the movie Mm. And they had story ways, storyline ways to give him all of these different looks, thereby producing more action figures, which is brilliant. Of course. Uh, but, but they all, it wasn't just he changed into some other costume. They all had a reason for looking mm-hmm. the way that they did, including the one towards the end where it had the nanotech combined with his regular costume. Like it was, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed seeing. Them execute all of that. Oh yeah, you even got to see the white costume from the video game, you know, with the white spider on it. It was just, it was great to be able to see all the different versions. The black one, the inside out outfit was just <laughs> was just awesome to see. It, yeah. it was it was just great, and you know, I wasn't thrilled with. I think the least one I didn't really care for was was it the lizard was like my least favorite of seeing the villains. Back. They, they had a tough road to hoe with that one because that design was not very good in the first place. And I think it would have been too much to, to, because there was so much going on in this movie mm. to have to try and explain. Cause they, I mean, they basically straight up changed electro his appearance. And I think to take that lizard and to do anything else with it, they had enough going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. Oh, exactly. And I liked how they brought Sandman back. I liked yeah. seeing – I loved how they thought, is that tree a villain? <laughs> it's like – it was like I whispered to Judy, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, no, it's just a tree. <laughs> as a uh, Spider-Man comic fan, I mean, this is as close – I've always dreamed of seeing a, uh, you know, Sinister Six movie – this is about as close as we're probably, I mean, this is as close as we've ever gotten. There are actually six, you know, Spider-Man villains in this movie. Um, but uh, we don't see one until the end. <laughs> uh, but uh, there are there are six. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're not, they are working together. I mean, certainly the end, uh, the third act is great. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of great, I think, uh, action sequences but they all sort of have this emotional weight to it as well. So it's not just action to be action. It's, this is not a, I don't mean to, I, I was going to take a pot shot at a film series that I really don't have anything invested in, which is the, you know, the, the Fast and Furious series, which I don't really know much about, but it, the, those look like they're just action to be action. It's about family, Mike. <laughs> oh, right, right. Hashtag. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um uh, but everything here had like a, uh, had emotional weight to it, you know, and, um, and that you could tell, you know, my, anything that I was feeling was enhanced like a hundredfold by the crowd that I was with. Um, so the minute you see, you know, uh, Doc Ox arms or the minute you see one of the pumpkin bombs, uh, the minute you see all that stuff, it's like, Ooh, like this is, you know, and yeah, Sandman lizard, you know, they're, they've got their own things, but they are not even on the pantheon of the comics as, as, as Spider-Man's rogues, who's got probably the best rogues in comics is Spider-Man and uh, maybe second only to Batman. Um, but he's, they've got, uh, 
you can't give everybody like this movie can't be like a mini series. <laughs> it's not like no. right. Like each episode, like each uh, villain gets their own episode. I thought actually Jamie Foxx did very well. I thought, yeah. you know, I think I liked his character more in this one than I did. And it had been a while since I'd seen, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but uh, I did like the the sort of, you know, the sort of tweaking of his his outfit and giving him the sort of electro mask from the comics. And I love that. Well, tweaking, tweaking his character as well, because yes. his... his uh, what they did with him in Amazing Spider-Man 2 was too much. I'm a big fan of Jamie Foxx, but watching that movie, you wouldn't know that he's an Academy Award winning actor. Mm. And in this one, he got to redeem himself and and have more of a character and be more than just a uh, an archetype. Like, he, he got to do a little bit more. And at the end, uh, when Peter takes the mask off and he's like, huh he's like what's wrong he's like your face you know saving saving poor people in in new york i i thought you were gonna be black like (laughs) that was such a good line i was hoping somewhere in the universe there was a black (laughs) spider-man there's a there's a black spider-man out there somewhere which was a nice touch which is weird because if you're nitpicky on the plot you're like well if he doesn't know he's peter why is he here well he knew he was peter parker but he, but he didn't, didn't know, know what Peter he Parker looked was. like. I gotcha. Right. It was like the Justice League when Lex Luthor is and Flash's <laughs> body and takes the mask off and is like, yeah. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it'd been a while. I didn't remember that uh that all of those guys knew who, you know, that Spider Man was Peter in a lot of the films. Uh, cause I hadn't seen a few of them in a while. And, but then again, I do remember both Toby and Andrew taking that mask off like every five minutes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so is all of New York from other Yeah, people? literally like everybody on the subway car was going to show up. That's what was coming through the cracks. What do you mean? You know? yeah, right, exactly. And every, uh, it was like, how did Venom get there then? Cause, well, here, here's our, cause we talked about this a lot. Our not really theory, but what we've kind of pieced together from this is that at the end of that, you guys have seen the second Venom movie. Yes. Okay. Sadly enough. So at the end, oh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, At the end of that movie, uh, Venom is talking about how the symbiotes share consciousnesses across galaxies, universes, and even multiverses. Uh-huh. So he knows things that other symbiotes that any, and, and he says basically like Eddie, your tiny little brain couldn't handle one, one millionth of the things I know or something along those lines. And then that's where they zap into the MCU. Gotcha. So because he had that shared knowledge with the symbiote that was in Spider-Man three, he knew that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That's what we think. That's a, hey, you know what? And then That's, you get a no prize. And then <laughs> because he's in wherever the beach, wherever he is, he spends this whole movie just sitting in the bar drinking. Exactly. And then at the end, when everybody gets sent back to their respective dimensions, he, he just goes. blips and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really fun way to do it, and of course, leaves behind a little, a little bit of symbiote for somebody to find later on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very well done. Uh, I thought both of the cutscenes uh, were great. Um, although I did, I, I was a little, 
I don't know, not dis- I can't say disappointed, but I was like, you know, like the, the, the last cut scene or whatever was just basically a trailer for the new Dr. Strange movie. Yeah. But um, with this being, see, this to me felt very similar to Iron Man three and mm. being almost an epilogue yeah, rather yeah. than a start. I mean, it's both, but it did feel like the last part of something. So I was okay with our last, because it was about Spider-Man, finally. And I was okay with our closing thing being Spider-Man swinging through the city. I didn't need a, like, you know, Ned sitting in the coffee shop going, do I know that guy or, or something? <laughs> right, 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 right. Which, starting don't get to, me wrong. Starting do, to remember something. I do want Sorcerer Ned in the future. <laughs> you may get him. Uh, you might I, get it. I, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that. <laughs> I really like the fact that it's just sort of a throwaway Go the other way. Go the other it's, way. It's about yeah. it, like, oh, I think there's magic in my family or whatever. And then as yes, the movie goes on, you're like, Maybe that's true. And it's, and it's not over. Well, it's not no. like he's like casting great spells right. and being awesome. He's totally like doing it by accident, but he right. gets the moment with the cape. He yep. gets like, it was, it was really, really fun. And I hope leads to a little something down the line. Yeah. Let's talk about Dr. Strange real quick because he ain't the saucer Supreme anymore. Nope. He's also not Mephisto. Yes. <laughs> Which was one of the big theories about this movie. Yes. Because yes. uh, is- in the trailers, you saw him fighting Spider-Man. Oh, it has to be Mephisto or it has to be someone else. But no. And it totally. No, it's just sense. Dr. Strange really annoyed with Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't and, call and me and sir you anymore. you can't really blame him. Uh, no, at this no. point, because I mean, the guy is like constantly changing the spells and all that. <laughs> yeah. They really, they really need to get their act together before they cast decide on what spell they're going to cast. But of course they just go in and do it, whatever. Um, but I like that too. I mean, we'd seen uh, Wong right before, like in, in the MCU uh, these past few times, but we had, and we, we taking more of an active role. Yeah. We just thought, Oh, cause they can get that actor. Cause he's cheaper or whatever. No, no. He's the Sorcerer Supreme now. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why he's showing up in Shang-Chi. That's why he's showing up in, like, you know, what if. That's why she he's, like, showing up in all these other things, because he's the guy now. I mm-hmm. kind of expected him to show up at the end and be like, I'm going to straighten out this mess. I, I thought the same thing, and I'm so <laughs> glad that they didn't. Yep, yep. No. Yeah, he had bigger exactly. things to do and wanted Stephen <laughs> to clean up his own mess. Yeah. <laughs> bigger things to do than, oh, I don't know, stop the multiverse and crashing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> he's the Sorcerer Supreme. But I, well, I do want to like bank on that what you what you were saying a little bit because I want to like we like to you know starting to close out a little bit and I want to make sure that we get to because right now the way things are we've got um, a Peter Parker that nobody knows nobody knows um, I imagine he has to like figure out how to get an ID and all every like I mean he had to get school, like he has no grades he has to graduate again right. he has to like well mm-hmm. that's like, he, why has to, like, he hasn't graduated yet at right? all. he hasn't even gone he to has, school yet he had the GED book mm-hmm. and yeah, the exactly stuff exactly yeah. he uh, this is a guy but everybody remembers Spider Man so you know what does that mean for the MCU like if he puts on the outfit can he just go up to like you know another Avenger and be like hey remember me and be like oh yeah I remember you. Like, you know, yeah, I think they, the, Spider-Man is still known. I, I, I think it's yeah, just, cause, cause they met, like, cause happy, you know, they, you know, at the grave, happy mentions like, Oh, how do you know her? And you know, uh, I know Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. so we know that Spider-Man's a thing. Exactly. Um, but we don't know to what extent that 
means. Well, Jameson uh, is still putting them down, but they. Yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. Some things don't change. Yeah. Some yeah, things just don't change at all. But I, you know, I think he's still an Avenger. I still think he's all, all that is still the same. They just don't know that he's Peter. They don't know mm-hmm. who he is. This, this There's not really give, Avengers to be around anyway. Right this now. does give Sony a chance to break off from the MCU a little bit if they want to, because now they don't have to have everybody in there because not everybody knows all this kind of stuff. Um, on the other hand, with the success that they've had and with the wonderful co-production that they've done here, uh, I almost think that they're going to like triple down. And I think you're going to start to see... I mean, we've already seen, uh, you know, well, I guess it's Sony and Sony, but we know from the trailer from uh, Morpheus that uh, that uh, he's going to be that um, Vulture's in it, right? That uh, mm-hmm. Michael. So Keaton. we already know, yeah. yeah, that we already know that there's that tie-in. I thought there was going to be a Keaton cameo in this, but uh, you know, I'm glad. You know, I'm not. I'm not sorry that there isn't because there's this movie is wonderful. Well, consider it. this. Uh, Adrian Toomes no longer knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Oh. And how much does that change that mm. whole situation? Mm. So now, Interesting. because at the yes. end of the second one, um, wait, the first second one, one or the first one? First, first one. one. At the end of the first one, he runs into Scorpion, Scorpion. in prison, and Scorpion wants to mess Spider-Man up, and uh, Toomes d- clearly wants to leave him alone says he doesn't know who he is but now he really doesn't know who he is Mm. except that spider-man is the guy that ruined his life yep Mm. yep he does not know that peter parker saved him um and in addition to spider-man's future whether it's in the mcu or whatnot forward we've also got all this you know between this movie and WandaVision, and What If, and Loki, we've got all these questions about the multiverse. Now, I am not <laughs> organized enough to figure out what has come already in what order or anything like that. I'm still trying to figure out which came first, did this movie or what we're seeing in Hawkeye. Uh, because, like, I you know, this movie, uh, this movie takes place in 2024. Right? right so does Hawkeye. Right. Yeah. This because, because 2018 is when the blip hit. You got you got to go five Hawkeye, years. Hawkeye is after the. It's the same year, but it's after because Hawkeye takes place in December at Christmas, and this right. takes place. Uh, my, Phantom Junior explained all of this to me. <laughs> okay. Like he he is now my encyclopedia of MCU because he knows everything. But let me throw a little thing in there. The very last scene with Spider-Man where he goes out in the suit and everything and he flies over Rockefeller Center. It's Christmas time. And it's lit. (gasps) Right. Oh, so it could be (laughs) the same time. It's literally probably going to be around the same time as Hawkeye. Well, yes, no. I mean, you know, in Hawkeye, uh, not to get too deep in that, but when they're having – two characters are having a conversation about the Statue of Liberty. Are you going to go visit the new Statue of Liberty? thinking that it's open or whatever it's like no you can't visit it now because like at least after this movie because it's not in no shape for anybody to yeah. go near <laughs> yeah. uh, why were so, they putting captain america's shield on the statue of liberty and make it gold and yeah. making it well, gold no they weren't they were they i actually just visited the statue of liberty they were re- restoring it to its original yeah. brass 
Ah, oh, or actually cool. nickel because it's it's actually didn't, didn't they do that like thirty years ago or something? Yes, and then it just you know it ages over time or mm-hmm. it oxidizes or whatever. It turns green after time. Yeah, because it was originally the brown. So so in this movie we get like we get a trailer at the end. We have for the for the next Doctor Strange movie with freaking is, evil. What if Doctor Strange? Which like you know again, my crowd like popped huge for. They were like, oh my god! And one person in the like like sort of in the front row for me or in a in a row before me was like going, I don't who is that? And then the, the other person turned and was like, <laughs> Who's yo, you gotta watch, no. yo, you gotta watch <laughs> What If, man. <laughs> it's all like, important. Like you can't, yeah. Like so, what if matters? Mm-hmm. now like like more than we thought it did i was totally geeking out when the you know the cracks were happening and it made it look like new york city was like a painting behind it because the cracks were opening in front of it mm-hmm. and it was just amazing and judy was just like oh, just like in loki it was like it was awesome well mm-hmm. after after years of following things like star wars and Star Trek, where the books, the comics, the movies, they don't really necessarily go together. And now we've got this thing where the TV and the movies, everything does matter. Everything is continuity. Now, now you can't include the comics, obviously, but like between the TV and the movies, there's synergy, there's continuity, there's a plan. If you see an evil Doctor Strange, yes, it's probably the evil what if Doctor Strange. Like it's not. It, they're not on. It's not like a, the the DC TV and the DC movies where like, mm-hmm. oh look, it's Flash. But that's who is that? That's not any Flash we've ever seen. Right, right. Which oh, is a terrible s- example because they literally had the movie Flash <laughs> on the TV Flash, but or vice versa, whatever it was. Right, right, but right. you know no, what no. I'm saying? I, is is years of disappointment with things that those of us who take in all the media consider important that get discarded by the movies. You know, now we watch the TV shows and we watch the streaming and we watch the movies and it does all matter. Mm-hmm. I, I find it, I find it kind of funny um, in a weird sort of way since I'm such a DC fan, but DC comics wise was always known as like the publisher, like they were the home of the multiverse. Marvel had, experiment they had storylines that dealt with multiverses or whatever but they weren't really that like prominent um but now marvel like mcu has taken the multiverse in such an extent that now the dc movies are doing it the dc television shows are doing it um you know we're seeing other franchises like doctor who kind of do it too like it's like now multiverse has become a thing um, partially because of the MCU also, I think, but you have mostly to give a, because of Rick and Morty. Uh, <laughs> I think you also have to give a big like props to the Spider-Verse movie, obviously for helping. Oh God, yes. yes. I was just thinking well, that. And, and putting that over. So, you know, whether or not there's going to be that kind of crossover, we don't know, but it, anything's possible now because we've just seen, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire in the MCU. So like anything is possible now. Uh, but as far as, you know, I, I don't, like one character that was missing from the trailer for Dr. Strange was Immortus or Kang, right? Like, like, so we don't know exactly how the events of Loki affect the multiverse and what's going on as well. I mean, all we have to know, all we know is that right now, you know, Dr. Strange made this spell that like, you know, he messed up, Um, you know, whether or not 
the events of Loki have any impact on this or not, we don't know that. Well, Kang is supposed to be in the next Ant-Man movie. Right, mm-hmm. which is mm. movies away, right? Yeah. So I think it's a little you, more yeah. than two. Cause is it? Oh, yeah. It's like 2023, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's next, a ways off. Because next mm. you have Doctor Strange, and then over the summer you have Thor, Thor. and then in the fall ah. you have the uh, Wakanda Forever. Mm. Gotcha. Whew, man. So I don't know if we're going to be dealing with, obviously we're going to get a second season of Loki as well. So we're going to be dealing with the multiverse a while. The multiverse is here to stay. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what, you know, that ha- they have, the effect has on it that, but seeing Wanda uh, in the trailer, knowing that she's coming back to the big screen in a big way that made me happy as well. Yeah. I was also glad to see that it wasn't Doctor Strange fighting Wanda because everyone was like, going, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." You know? yeah. And it's well, like, "Hey, I yet. need your help." You know, you know. I was thing. also very happy to see Baron Mordo. Uh, yes, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I loved that tag at the end of the movie, and I was really concerned that in everything else that was going on, that his thread might get lost a little bit. So, made me very happy to see that he's back. Also, same way. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to see them antagonist. overload yeah. the f- film and stuff like that again. That's the problem. But I'd, MCU seems pretty pretty good at handling lots of characters and lots of motivations. So far, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I can. Well, I won't. I won't get very few missteps. I'll just say that. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also glad it's going to be Sam Raimi at the helm of this one. Yeah, which is how, wild. Yeah, yeah, that'll be really interesting. Intro? You know, I mean, also kind of a nice handoff, too, right? We've got mm-hmm. a Spider-Man yeah. movie with Tobey Maguire handing off to, you know, a Sam Raimi movie. So, yeah. you know, and that's weird, kind of weird meta way. That's kind of cool, too. Um, anything else about the Spider-Man movie that you want to bring up? Um, sort of last thoughts or whatever. Make sure you kind of we talked about Ashley. Well, I just, it was interesting. My dad and I went to see the movie together and just like afterwards, I was thinking, you know, if 10 years ago you came up to me and said like, you're going to see this Marvel superhero movie with multiple versions of Spider-Man and they're all going to be doing stuff together. I would have been like, hmm, but it's so cool to see how the MCU has taken us on this journey and that general audiences have come along for the ride. Like they've introduced concepts that seem you know, I would have thought maybe we're too crazy for general audiences like Guardians of the Galaxy and the multiverse, but they've yeah. done it by getting people to care about these characters. And so people are willing to experience these stories and just seeing like classic science fiction elements so successful on the big screen and enjoy just being popular from the general audience. I love that I can walk into a store now and find merchandise for all these geek properties that I love. So it's been really cool to see lots and lots of storytelling taking place in this universe. And I was also thinking, I have no idea what kind of crazy storytelling is going to be going on when my daughter, who's nine months old right now, is going to be old enough to go with me to the the movies. Like what, like Avengers 10, like how mind-blowing is that going to be? So <laughs> hopefully they're still going strong and bringing us lots of good stuff. But I think um, I was initially a little worried, like after Endgame, we might see a little bit of a lull in a loss of interest in the MCU from the public, which I'm laughing about now because I think with all this multiverse stuff, it's as exciting as ever. So I'm fully back on board again, and I can't wait to see what else they have because phase four has been awesome so far. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it reminds me that there was a tweet that I saw. It was kind of a joke, um, uh, but uh, I, I sort of like looked at it and said, maybe I don't know if this is true, but someone posted like, you know, because how does that joke? Like if there's a, you know, like a, a movie with, a, you know, like, oh, I haven't seen like the other movies in the series. Am I going to understand this? You know, um, like I haven't seen, you know, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, Spider-Man 1, 2, Spider-Man 1, 2. You know, am I, do I have to see all of those in order for this to make sense? Now, with this movie, I cannot say objectively. Uh, I can say that if you haven't seen all those movies, you're going to miss a lot of references. Uh, maybe the connections aren't going to be as deep for you. Whether or not you can go into this cold, I have no idea. Because I am not at all in that, that perspective. Um, I don't know if this movie works by itself but I don't think it's supposed to. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think it's designed. I don't think Kevin Feige and them are designed designing these movies to be like, yeah, we only want you to watch one. And especially mm-hmm. not this one. No. But, but it hasn't actually, hurt it. Yeah. What is interesting is that I have a friend who's um, more of a casual movie watcher and she hasn't seen Dr. Strange and she's, I would say decently familiar with the Spider-Man movies, but she said this was her favorite MCU movie now. So I thought that was cool as well. Even for somebody who hasn't seen all the MCU movies, it just works that well as still bringing people in. Well, and I think that's something special that this movie accomplished that, that maybe wasn't even anticipated is you have a whole generation of movie goers, goers that grew up with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and that maybe aren't as engaged with the MCU as they were with those movies at the time that they came out. And now you're bringing them back in as well uh, with this one. I, I, I really do feel like there's a, a different fan out there that isn't as hardcore into the MCU as we are, hasn't been paying as much attention, but now they see their Spider-Man, you know, back in, in the movies and that's very exciting and, and interesting. And, and Andrew Garfield is in kind of a hazy midpoint zone where I think a lot of people probably like him quite a bit. But the MCU was was going strong, you know, when he was doing his work or starting out, at least when he was doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never believe a single word he says ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I give them a lot of credit for putting up that smoke screen. You know, I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, and it and it paid off. You know, this is unlike the whole like you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing con thing for Star Trek Into Darkness, which did which backfired. Um, this it like you know, it, it, I think it helps. Now it only it only is going to last a weekend because right. the, the the news is out. Like oh, I you, was I if, was expecting to see trailers with both of them in it, like yeah, Friday. I'm sure now you this week you will. Yeah, like come see the movie. That yeah, I'm sure that, and I'm glad that I didn't know. I'm glad, but but to that point, even if you know, like you won't be disappointed because it's not like yeah. they're just coming on for five minutes. They're right. in the entire third act, and they have good parts. So much so that I think, you know, I saw something. I don't know how much is this is true. I want to see how Toby got to where he is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Part of me thought, like, I'm, is, is it his head on a CG body? Because when he's in the suit, I'm like, does he really look that good? Like, you know, I'm really curious to behind the scenes how this was made. Because there, se- there are sequences, I think, when they're in the lab, 
oh, thank you for making Spider-Man a scientist. Yes. And yeah, all yes. three all of three them. them. Oh, I love that. that. So, hey, Peter, I, all three of them but look I mean, up. They, they, they have been, though. I mean, the, yeah, that's but not, not really something... On. They now weren't focused on that much. And yeah. But, but oh, it's, it, it hasn't been left out as much as Batman being a detective has been left out. Good call. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, Peter the, is always a genius. <laughs> the look I mean, of disgust on Andrew Garfield's Peter when he was looking at uh, – the other, the first Spider-Man. Oh was, yeah, the organic <laughs> weather. Yeah, really, like, you don't do that. The look of disgust on his face was like, was it was just awesome. The, the scene yes. between the three of them comparing notes was just yeah. fantastic. And oh, you, Avengers, you're part of a band. That's awesome. I, I would love to like be a fly on the wall too to have to see if there were actual conversations with the three actors about the experience. Oh, there had to be, I, I, and that's another reason. To to, for for me to pre-order the physical media as soon as it's available because you know the bonus features on that. Oh, this are, one are definitely is worth getting in 4K. This yeah. is going to so, be just gorgeous. Uh, you know, any final words on the movie from you, Dave? Uh, I, I just, I, I, it was amazing. They brought so many things together that had to be done very delicately, carefully, lots of planning, lots of thought, uh, and, and so much more heart and emotion than I really expected to to feel, not just based off of nostalgia, but based off of um, th- these characters and and uh, the investment that they've earned from the audience in in making these characters uh, just really pulled it off incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? I agree. It was the perfect end to the trilogy. It was awesome. It basically got Peter on his own where he should be. This is the Peter Parker now that people are going to root for. And this is going to be, you know, that, oh, my God, Peter's down on his luck. He has no job. He has no money. He has no family to fall back on anymore. Because even in the other two movies, like series, you had Aunt May, and you now he doesn't even have his friends or his school or anything, and it was just so well done. And it also showed how divided, even in the movie, how divided society is. And I'm not trying to get political at all, but it showed you know everywhere you know you know either people were rooting for him or other people were like, Oh, you murderer, you da-da-da. And it was just it was awesome to see that they caught that in the movie. Even when he came back to school and, you know, the teachers were like, you know, welcome back, welcome back. Oh, I still think you did it. You killed Mysterio. You know, it was just like it was just really, really well done. And that's what this movie had so much going on. I might actually try to go see it over the holiday just to see what I missed. Cause I'd I'm like sure. to see it again in the theater for sure. Yeah. Mm. And you know, so I'll be glad to pay money to go see it again. That's how much I liked it. It's probably, and I liked Eternals. I liked Shang-Chi. I liked Black Widow, but this is probably my favorite superhero movie that I've seen since probably Endgame. And, you know, let's see where it goes from here, though. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Spider-Man's my guy. This is my favorite. This is my favorite MCU movie now. Um, this is right now. Uh, you know, I might be having like that, you know, I, I saw with a crowd on opening night and everything and you get a little bit of a buzz, right? You get it from that. Halo um, effect. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And that sure affected me in the Star Wars prequels. I'll tell you that. And then it's like a <laughs> few days, few days later, I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Um, uh, you know, you get that, you get that hangover going, oh man, did I really <laughs> just like that movie? Um, but. That's not the case here. Uh, this movie is, I think, better than it has any right to be. Sometimes the, everything just comes together and, and magic happens. And that's what I felt like happened here. Uh, Mike, as you pointed out, we, we've got a, we finally got Peter Parker in the MCU. We've had Sp- Spider-Man in the MCU for like four or five movies now. Um, now we've got the true Peter Parker, at least that I feel like um, the, what makes Peter, Peter. Um, and you know, where this, where this can go is, is going to be so wild to watch. I can't, I'm, you know, I, I, I've heard, I don't know if it's true. I heard that Tom is like signed on for some more. I hope that's true because I really want to see what he can do with this character now and where it goes. Um, so very, very, very excited. So, uh, also, I want to give a sh- quick shout out. I didn't mention it, but I want to make sure I, I don't forget that the music by Michael Giacchino is really good as well, especially yeah. since he incorporates the music from the other Spider-Man movies seamlessly into this, whether it's that the Goblins, wonderful. whether it's the Goblins theme or Toby's theme or whatever. He's got a lot of stuff. He's not afraid to, 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 to reference other people's music of the other characters and, and use it really well. So this will be a score that I definitely get and I'm, I'm going to enjoy listening to a lot. So, so um, anyway, uh, so that, uh, that wraps it up for now. I'm sure we'll be talking about this, you know, maybe not on air, but for a long, long <laughs> time to come. So it's been, it'd be great to have you guys here to talk about it and we'll be right back and we'll close out the show. Three is a magic number Yes it is It's a magic number Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity You get three As a magic number The past and the present and the future Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host Angela and this week this geek girl is talking about Doctor Who season 13. Doctor Who Flux is all done, and it was an interesting six-episode season. There were some great episodes, and the return of scary weeping angels. And then there was some overall storytelling this season that at times made it difficult to stay in one story because they kept pulling you out to show you what other characters were doing, but I felt that really took away from what they were trying to accomplish. I will say, I enjoyed this season. I do wish the stories had been a bit tighter or even organized better in the editing. I feel the overall flow of this season would have been better if they had edited some of the different storylines a little different, but we got what we got. I very much enjoyed the new companion, Dan, and I thought his humor was very fun in a dad joke sort of way. I do hope we get to see more of him so he can really come into his own because we didn't get a lot of him. Or... You know, we didn't really learn a lot about him either. Same goes for Bell and Vendor. We really didn't get to learn much about them at all, and their story just leaves us hanging, and that kind of annoys me, since who knows if we'll see them again. But I would have liked to have had a little bit more on them with how much we did see them this season. Overall, this was a fun season, if not a little spastic. 
I think Jodie Whittaker did an amazing job as the doctor, and I love how she plays the doctor. If you want to hear more about how I and others on the ESO Network thought about this season, you can listen to the Earth Station Who's recap of season 13. It goes in a little bit longer than this episode, and you get a little bit more in detail. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Hey, Joe. Hey, Tony. Do you like ads about podcasts? You know it. How about ads about Doctor Who podcasts? Even better. Well, you're in luck because this is an ad about a Doctor Who podcast. Wow. I love it. And you'll love us. The Watchathon of Rassilon, a podcast about Doctor Who. I'll buy 12. So that's going to wrap up the show. But before we get out of here, let's, of course, say howdy to our friends over at Inked Marketing. They have a new comic, of course, called Mara. Let's introduce Mara from Stuffed Rock Studios. What changes an innocent girl into a warrior? Mara is a story of magic, monsters, gods, and a girl's gifted with the strength of many. Come watch the trailer at inked.pub slash Mara. Then sign up on Patreon to see the pages as they come out weekly. That's our friends over at Inked Marketing, and I hope they have a great holiday. And of course, thanks for supporting the ESO Network and Earth Station One. All right, folks, it's time to get out of here. Let's thank our guests for joining us. And of course, Dave, it's been awesome to have you here, my friend. It has been great to be back, and uh, if the listeners enjoyed what they heard here, you can find me on the Needless Things podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. Uh, I'm also on Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast, available the first Friday of every month. And uh, finally, please check out the Needless Things YouTube channel, uh, where you can find toy reviews, like all the most current things, and every once in a while, I'll throw a weird vintage toy in there as well. Like, subscribe, and share. Smash that like button. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. What are you waiting for? Go, go. We'll wait here for you. And, of course, Ashley Pauls. Thank you, my dear. Oh, it's thank you. It's always great to have you on. This is a lot of fun. So... As always, it's wonderful. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, uh, my shout out this week is I have been listening to the Dune audiobook and have been really enjoying it. Um, Dune and I, the story, have had kind of an interesting relationship. The first time I read it, I was it did not connect with me at all. But then the movie is my favorite movie of the year so far, which is saying something because there's been a lot of great movies. And I've just really enjoyed getting deeper into the story through the audiobook. It has a full cast, so they have different voices, sound effects, music, and it's just a really immersive experience. So if you like the movie Dune and want more about that universe, I highly recommend the audiobook as a good entry point into the story. And it doesn't end halfway through the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can find out what happens next if you want Uh-oh. to. Spoilers! Awesome. Yes. Spoilers! So definitely Ashley, I know that, uh, speaking of uh, top movies, are you? I know it's been a weird movie year again. Are you putting together uh, a top uh 2021 movie list? For this I have year? actually already started jotting down ideas for that, and it brought me a lot of joy because just I remember 2020, I felt like there, there wasn't really any way to do a top list. So it brought my heart a lot of joy as I was listening. I was like, yes, I can do my favorite of the year because 
I felt like we had a lot of great content. And so I'm looking forward to putting that together. It'll be a hard choice to rank everything because there's some <laughs> look, good stuff, but it'll be a fun challenge. When you were going through the movies, were there some that you were like, that was this year? <laughs> because yes. I was I was making my list today and there were things that came out in like January, February, March that feel like they were 10 years ago. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's this year has been a really interesting one. So <laughs> <laughs> I saw a best of year 2021 already and it had WandaVision on it. And I was like, was that really this year? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? That was yeah. like uh, two years ago, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, nope. That was just this, earlier this year. Wow. It's been a long year. It has. Oh, has it? Definitely understand that. But thank you, Ashley. And oh, thank of course, you. Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. Of course, I want to shout out happy holidays to everybody. And, you know, what's great for the holidays, but but um, snow. Uh, and uh, it just so happens our good friend, um, the award-winning author Bobby Nash, has got a new uh, snow novelette uh, coming out uh, called Fresh. Uh, sorry, it's called Snow Down. It is the sixth book, and it's the culmination of the what he's calling the first season of Abraham Snow's story. Um, so this will be like the final showdown between Snow and this character that I won't name. I won't spoil it, but uh, it's a great read. Um, and uh, I definitely recommend people check it out. You can get it in all sorts of formats, not only uh, by itself, but you can get it along with the other uh, novels in the series in one big package as well. So if you want some snow for Christmas, you can have that as well. Oh, that's awesome. And Bobby's series have been so great. We've had him on a couple times talking about some of the different books and even some of the audio recordings that he's done for them. It's really one of uh, the best series I think he's ever done. So That's pretty awesome. Hopefully someday it'll be made into a movie. That would hey, be really fingers cool. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Hey, if we could see three Spider-Mans on the screen together, I definitely think we could actually see Bobby's books come onto life. I think that would be pretty darn awesome. Speaking of that, we actually got um, a new TV series that finished up, actually, which was kind of sad. We got to see the season finale of Lost in Space. Season three wrapped Ooh, no up. No spoilers. I haven't watched it yet. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> Won't spoil it, but it comes to a very satisfying conclusion, and it was great to watch, and it was a great 10-episode run for season three. And I wish there was more, but I think it came to a logical conclusion and can't wait to see what the next series I'm going to hop on to and everything. And, you know, as Mike said, wanted to wish everybody a very happy holiday and our little gift to you guys at the beginning of this episode was the first episode of the new ESO podcast that we have coming to you exclusive for Patreon. That's right, folks. Rants and Raves is spinning off into its own podcast, and we'll be coming to you probably every two to three weeks, and we'll probably just you know be talking about whatever's on our heads, ranting and raving, as always, as we've done for the last going on almost 12 years. So we've been doing this for some quite some time, and Mike and I still to this day like to rant and rave. I think I'm more of the ranter, and he's more of the raver, but... I've heard him rant at times, too, so it's quite okay. Join us again next week on the show. We're actually doing a movie double feature next week. Not just one movie. We're talking about two. We're talking about both The King's Man 
and the new Matrix movie. That's right, folks. We're going to be reviewing both of those. It should be a lot of fun, and I guess we're going to be eating a lot of popcorn during that time, too. So should be a lot of fun. Just remember, red pill or blue pill? That's the big question. But we'll find out that next week. But, of course, as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, everywhere you could think of a podcast. Earth Station One's there with the big boys. Someday we'll be up there, too. Yeah, we'll be up at the big boy someday. You know, we'll someday be able to be at the big person's table, as we like to say, but not yet. And of course, on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ms. Ashley Pauls, and Mr. Dave West, thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next week on the Earth Station One podcast. Please, folks, have a wonderful holiday, no matter what you celebrate. Enjoy yourselves. Get, eat some really good food like we talked about last week. Definitely hug your loved ones and just be grateful for everything that we got going on. 2022 is going to be a great year for all of us. We'll see you soon. Peace. And we are done. Boom. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.